Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oh, sorry, I had my microphone off. Anyway, time to talk about the draft. Beer, because that's what this team makes me want to drink. Yeah! Good morning, afternoon, evening. To all of you wonderful ladies, gentlemen, and everyone else listening, this is the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast bringing you breaking news, and analysis of the Kansas City Royals every Monday and Friday as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Thank you very much for listening. I am Lux, or at least that's what I keep telling people, and I'm going to spend this week doing some kind of fake baseball transactions. I have been selected as a general manager for the Royals on Reddit. I don't know what any of this means, so it's probably going to go extremely well. Keep up with my usual exciting endeavors at the MFNKC, or if you don't care about that whatsoever, which I don't blame you, no hard feelings, at Royal Deluxe Pod, that is the podcast Twitter for much more on-topic baseball and Royal-specific commentary. Good to see you, by the way. You look great. So, of course, the big thing that you probably want me to talk about, you want to hear from me, is the MLB draft. It has started the first Day of picks have come in, the Royals' top three picks, their first round, second round, and bonus second round picks have all been selected. We know who they are. I'm going to give my thoughts on them, but before we do that, we also have to talk about a couple of roster moves. Just at, at, right at the buzzer, right before the, this uh, All-Star break started, 
Royals made a couple of really big roster moves, so we'll talk about those, and then talk about the three-game series that occurred over the weekend against the Cleveland Guardians. How did the Royals finish the first half of the season? Badly. And, uh, yeah, that's what we'll do. I guess maybe a bit of a shorter episode, because we're not going to have a, a team preview for next time around. I'm almost kind of glad, honestly. We, we get a We get a four-day break of Kansas City Royals baseball, and I don't want to, you know, I, I I don't do that thing where I, you know, make it seem like I just absolutely hate what I do or something. I, I do this podcast because it's fun. I enjoy it. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to be doing it. <laughs> and I always say I don't let the Royals, I don't let Royals baseball get me to a point where it's like actively impeding upon my life negatively, where it like ruins my day if the Royals are bad. But I will say, following the draft a little bit did get me kind of stressed out because, well, I'll talk about why. <laughs> but So it's like, okay, next four days, I don't have to worry about anything with this team. I, I mean, I do have to worry about a lot of things, but at the very least, it's like nothing I can say or do will change or, well, uh, the next four days won't impact anything. The Royals are off. We're all, we all we all get a four day break. We can just take a take a breath, and maybe hopefully go into the second half of feeling a little rejuvenated. It's like nothing, no cause for no, no, uh, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that no matter how bad things might be, no matter how angry this team might make us, nothing's gonna change over the next four days. So we don't have to be mad, I guess, for another four days. Does that make sense? Let's just talk about actual Royals-related stuff. I'm trying to be philosophical or something, but I also haven't eaten in 36 hours, so maybe I should uh, get my priorities in straight. So, priorities. Here we go. Roster update. The Royals have made a huge move right here. Amir Garrett is gone! He wasn't traded. Amir Garrett, left-handed relief pitcher, has been designated for assignment. That happened on July 9th, on Sunday. Yeah, he was designated for assignment. Now, something very important to keep in mind is that he can still be traded, okay? So, we are looking at Amir Garrett as a trade partner, or not a trade partner, we're looking for someone to be a trade partner for Amir Garrett. We're hoping that we can trade Amir Garrett for something, anything. And as a matter of fact, there is speculation that the Royals have pretty much traded Amir Garrett at this point, or at the very least, they're in very intense talks about trading Amir Garrett right now. And DFAing him right now just simply clears up a roster spot a little bit sooner because uh, something that's going to be related to these roster moves, something something else we'll talk about in this segment is Ryan Yarbrough came back. He was on the 60-day injured list. He's back now, so he's not he he was not only activated on the roster, put placed on the active roster, but also that put him back on the 40-man roster because, again, he was on the 60-day injured list. That removes you from the 40-day or 40-man roster. 
Now, that being said, they could also have done this by simply optioning a, a player instead. They could have optioned a reliever like Colin Snyder or Nick Whitgren, if he still has even, even if if he still even has options at this point. Taylor Clark. I mean, I get it. If a player is optioned, you have to wait a few days to call him back up. But, I mean, number one, all-star break. Number two, I don't think any of these players that you that we may be thinking about being optionable players are... I don't think the world is going to weep for the absence of these guys in Kansas City. So it's just like a... It feels like a really, really extreme measure to take if the point of this was just to simply open up the roster spot. Now... I don't want to blow Amir Garrett out of proportion because it's not like he's been pitching super well this season. He does have a fairly, he has a respectable ERA, also a really bad whip, really bad FIP because he walks the leadoff batter in every appearance. But it does seem a little bit strange, if nothing else, for him to be designated well before the trade deadline. So that that I mean that there could be a possibility that no one is trading for Amir Garrett. That is totally possible. I mean, I always say this. You know, I was saying this when we analyzed the the Roldis Chapman trade, where you know, general opinion might be like, "Oh man, that's all we got for this guy." It's like, well, yeah, a, a trade is a two way street here. It's easy for us to say, "Hey, this player is really valuable. He could bring back some kind of prospect," but another team. Is another team going to look at that the same way? Is another team going to think, eh, you know what? I don't think I'm going to give this this organization, even an 18-year-old random player we signed for like 50 grand out of Cuba last or a couple of years ago. Because I don't know. I mean, if there's a chance this guy can be anything, I'd rather take that chance. I'd rather keep him instead of uh, giving him away for a guy who has a walk rate of seven per nine innings. I don't know. I just kind of say this because I saw lots of reactions that were like, oh man, really? The Royals couldn't trade for Amir Garrett? Honestly, maybe not. Maybe there really is no trade market for Amir Garrett. And if there isn't, that's not really the Royals' fault. But also, like I said, he is still tradable for the next week. And maybe the Royals did this to just kind of force the issue. They're like, okay, hey, everybody, you want this reliever? You're going to have to get him, like, right now. Because we're basically giving him away, and I don't know. It, it, the Royals could just let him go to the waiver wire, and it would be their loss. They would give him up for nothing. But if a team, if a competitive team really is thinking, hey, we need some kind of relief help in this bullpen, we need a guy... Yeah, you know what? Maybe they will. Maybe they will take the bait and say, "Okay, you know what? Just, just give give the Royals what they want, so that we can have this guy." Because you know, if he goes to the waiver wire, then anybody can pick him up. Well, actually, technically, anybody can pick him up, but it, obviously, there's a a priority in the waiver wire. So a team that's actually competitive might not even have that option. He might just be claimed before they're able to have that. So hopefully this will work out and the Royals aren't looking like royal dumbasses by, you know, DFAing a potentially valuable player 
before the trade deadline is over. I'd like to I'd like to believe that the Royals are not that stupid. Now, one other thing that is unfortunate and like you know also not really the Royals fault, just kind of happens. Uh speaking of tradable players, hopefully Edward Olivares is on the 10-day injured list. And it's with a mild a mild left oblique strain, which scares me because sometimes you really never know with oblique strains like this. Recovery time could be a few days, could be a few weeks, and Ollie, I think, actually has injured his oblique his oblique maybe his obliques plural in the past so mm, the the maybe small good news about this is that you know it's only a mild it's a grade one strain it seems and he was placed on the 10 day injured list not the 15 day injured list and it's retroactive to july 8th so that basically means he can be he can be brought back up he can be reactivated in july on the 18th. So maybe the Royals are saying, yeah, we're putting him on the IL, but this will be a very, very brief IL stint. It's not that big of a deal. Obviously, you know, he just needs to rest a little bit and then he'll be good to go for the last week or so before the trade deadline closes. And hopefully then hopefully all will go well and we can get a trade partner for Eddie Ollie and get something back for him. So in exchange for these two things, Ryan Yarbrough has been brought back up. I kind of want to say called up, but more like he was reinstated because he was on the 60-day injured list from taking a 106-mile-an-hour ball off the face back in May. Yeah, he went through all of that rehabbed in Omaha, and came back to pitch in Kansas City just about three months later. Man, that is just freaking awesome. I was saying this back, you know, when this injury occurred, but, like, I was impressed just by him getting up and walking off the field. Like, just just that alone was freaking cool. And the fact, and, like, we we thought that it was possible that Ryan Yarbrough would be out for the entire season. He fractured part of his face with this thing. So th- there was really no telling if, he, if we would ever see this guy ever again, at least in 2023. No, he came back before the All-Star break, dude. That is probably the, the, the least likely thing to happen from such an occurrence, but super happy for him. Just I think that's really, really awesome that uh, he was able to recover from this so well and so quickly and uh, just get back to major league game action like this. And, I, and it's, there's also that mental side of it, too, you know, just that mental side like, oh, man, this thing almost killed me <laughs> and now I'm just going to go out and do it again. <laughs> No, he 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 did that. He took that. Just how how freaking cool is that, dude? I that's all I can really say about it. Just I I you know I was gonna I was I had started to call Ryan Ryan Yar I called him Ryan Goddamn Yarbrough because I honestly thought he was just such a mediocre pitch pitcher that when watching him pitch, I'm just like, ah, oh, it's this goddamn guy, Ryan Goddamn Yarbrough. Oh boy. And then he does that, and it's like, nah. 
it's out of respect now. Ryan goddamn Yarbrough because he is goddamn tough. And also, Samad Taylor was called back up. He was optioned just a few days ago, I feel like, really, really recently. Samad Taylor was called up a couple weeks ago for the first time, got a game-winning RBI in his very first game. So that was awesome. It was a walk-off hit. Everyone was super happy. It was it, it was all fun. Everyone had fun. Everyone remembered what it was like to be happy and enjoy things for just a brief moment in our lives. And basically after that, he didn't do anything. He's just been hitting terribly. He was hitting like 130. So he was sent back down to AAA. But now that there's an injury occurring, an injury occurrence, Samad Taylor is needed a little bit more right now. Although, I, I do have to say that if the Royals really needed a, le- a left fielder so badly, I have some other ideas, some other ideas that you haven't tried yet, Royals. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we, we don't do that segment on Monday episodes, but I, still, just... Just saying, Royals. All right, so let's talk about this three-game series against the Cleveland Guardians. Sorry, it was a four-game series against the Cleveland Guardians. Um, Thursday's game, honestly, I even, I actually legit forgot that they, the Royals even played on Thursday. Wasn't that the was that the Zach Granke game? No, that was July fourth. Uh, what even happened on Thursday? Like I wrote down notes for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I didn't write down. Oh, wait, that was the game Jordan Lyles pitched five innings and gave up one run. It was like the Jordan Lyles' best start of the season. And then uh, and then it was, no, that's the wrong one. And I think, like, Taylor Clark decided to give up, like, 12 runs or something. Because, I don't know, I, I don't have feelings, I guess. Just super cool. Oh, that's, that's why I couldn't find it, because the game thread on Reddit freaking broke. <laughs> The bot could not be could not be bothered to uh deal with that. Yeah, it was a it was a stupid game. It was a bad game. And then the Royals lost the two games after that. They lost on Friday and they lost on Saturday, but they won on Sunday. So they af- right after this Dodgers series, we were saying that that was like the best three game series that the Royals had played all season. They went toe to toe, blow for blow, took two of three from a very competitive, a very good team, a team that is much better than them it's like all right hell yeah maybe this can be the start of something we say that every time something slightly good happens with the royals but that that time it really felt like man if the royals could just keep playing like this 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 would be great the the second half of the season might not be so bad and then they just splat onto the ground they crawl their way over to the all-star break they at least get the one win on sunday so that they don't have another winless road trip i feel like they've had four winless road trips at a six a six game losing streak seriously how many six game losing streaks have they had let me just pull up that visualizer on baseball reference because i feel like it's many there's definitely one right there uh no, that was the third one. Okay. Well, actually, if I, I, it was only their third six-game losing streak, I, I'm saying. <laughs> it's like, like, I felt relieved that they've only lost six games in a row three times so far this season. In the first half. Oh, my God, dude. Anyway, so Friday, Friday's game was just 
he was just freaking terrible, like all around. Well, not completely all around. Uh, Daniel Lynch pitched pretty okayly. <laughs> okayly, yeah, I, I I said that on purpose. That was just me being silly. He pitched very. He pitched an okay game. He pitched six innings. Love that. Uh, three earned runs, three strikeouts, but only one walks. So that's fine. And then a two-run home run was like the most of the damage that was dealt to him. You know, what I mean, easy to say, take away that home run, and then it's a, it's actually a pretty good outing. And uh, take take away the bad stuff, and then it's only good. Whoa. Um, but but still, like that that just kind of happens. He still goes six. He only gives up three. He did his job. He, he had a a pretty quality start. He had a pretty decent game it it is true that he's not really striking out guys very often so kind of hope that that can improve because he is riding a pretty fortunate BABIP so far H- opponents are only hitting like 250 on balls in play against him or somewhere around there so you know it, it is good that he's not giving up hits but he that that's something that doesn't last all that all that long it doesn't last forever so when that regresses and he st- does start getting in more hits it's like you need to be you need to be missing that some more my guy but at least the good thing for him is that whenever and this might have to do with the, the BABIP um, whenever someone is putting the bat on the ball against him it's not getting hit very hard he's actually doing really really well at at limiting exit velocity i guess if that's the a way to put it but yeah he's just one of the better pitchers in baseball when it comes to exit velocity he, the guys are not hitting him very hard they might be hitting him a lot and there's some good luck involved with that on his side but at least he's not getting hit hard so the so you know his era so far is 4.18 but his expected era is 4.62 which is higher and it's not good but it's also not like holy crap this guy is going to fall off a cliff at some point pretty soon and hey for what it's worth i don't even dislike the kind of a strategy he has on the mound like his four seamer that it's he he doesn't throw a very good fastball that's always kind of been the thing against him but at least he's not overthrowing the crap out of it and by over overusing would have been a much better word uh, for that he's throwing it 40 less than 44 percent percent of the time and mixing in three other pitches along with it so i think i think that's fine maybe you can cut that usage a little bit more but still it's not you know a pitch that he's just going to cause it's not a pitch that he's abusing and when he does throw it he tends to throw it up in the zone so that's limiting limiting what hitters can do against it that's basically the exact antithesis of what brady singer does where brady singer throws his sinker like all the time and throws it at the same place which is in the bottom of the zone where hitters like to hit (laughs) he does that constantly and we'll talk about that in a second i just want to mention that also on friday um Salvi and Prado, Nick Prado, are um, both of them. They were our three or f- three and four hitters for that game. They went 0 for six with six strikeouts. Just the two of them. Yep. Yeah, that was kind of why I was saying it was like terrible all around at first. Like the pitching, the pitching was fine for all intents and purposes. Um, 
And also Carlos Hernandez pitched a scoreless inning. I forgot who else came out, but good good job to those guys. So I'm not mad at them. Just terrible hitting all around. Got got bullied by like Aaron Savali of all people. I, I don't know. No runs, obviously. Two hits, one walk, and then and and ten strikeouts. Although again, six of them were shared by two guys who were the cleanup hitters. Um. Nick Prado has really been avoiding my shit list uh, on this podcast, but I think we might have to have a conversation about him going forward. Not today, though. Might save that for Friday. So stick around for that if you uh, really dislike Nick Prado for some reason. Don't know what he did to you, jerk. Anyway, Saturday. This could have been a good game because offense was that lively. That the bats actually came to life in this game. Royals lost ten to six, however. Um, but Bobby Wood Jr. had a three-hit game. Was a double sh- shy of the cycle. Would have been fitting for the Royals to have their first cycle in like thirty years or something. How, how long has it been since they, they've had their last cycle? It's been a really long time. They're like one of the few teams that haven't haven't had one in the last couple decades or something. Anyway, so Bobby Wood Jr. had a great game. Kyle Isbell went. Two for two with two walks. Literally had a perfect game on offense, which we just love to see. Because this is someone that we really hope can contribute in this lineup. And he hasn't been hitting much. He hasn't been walking much. He has been striking out a lot much. So good to see that from him. But then Brady Singer pitched this game. And like I said, Brady Singer throws his fastball at the bottom of the zone in the same freaking place over and over again. I don't know why he does this. I don't know I don't know if he thinks that this is a good idea or if someone is telling him to do this like it's a good idea because like I said, Daniel Lynch does not do this. And sure, we can like criticize Daniel Lynch for, you know, like his numbers aren't great, obviously, but at least we can say, okay, well, you know, he's doing something right. You know, he doesn't look completely freaking garbage on the mounds on most days. Brady Singer pitched five innings and faced 28 batters. He had... The Cleveland Guardians... Let me pull up my notes. Because my notes from last... From Friday's podcast. Because I wrote down the the team's average. (sighs) Where is it? I knew I knew I knew that it would come in handy to save my notes for every podcast. All right, here they are. Oh, their batting average was actually okay. It was 248. I just saw I just know that the Guardians had a really really bad offense, which was 25th in weighted runs created plus. That's what I was looking at. I thought that they were really bad at batting average, I guess. But still, it doesn't ex- it, this does not excuse Brady Singer from giving up 13 hits in five innings. 13 freaking hits. And none of, not even home runs. Just, just no. Guys just hit him around a lot. Why? Because Brady Singer has decided that he doesn't need the top half of the strike zone. He's just too cool for that, I guess. I don't know. I think that's pretty freaking stupid, and it's obvious that is an issue. I mean, like, like how many guys are coming up to the plate in that in in that game? How many Guardians players are coming up to that hit 
going going up to the plate and thinking, okay, I am going to look in one exact spot because this guy cannot stop throwing it exactly right there. Do you have any idea how hard it is to hit a baseball 90 plus miles an hour as it moves around? I don't. I can't even imagine it. I can only assume that it's really freaking difficult because to me, it looks completely impossible. Because the pitch is moving so quickly, hitters are really, really limited in what they're able to see and how long they're able to see it for. So why, as a pitcher, would you (laughs) reduce what they need to see? Like, why would you tell a hitter, hey, you know this boundary, this invisible boundary where I'm expected to throw? I'm only going to use half of that. So just ignore the other half of the boundary. And just look right down there where I want to throw. Like, why would you do that? (laughs) It makes no sense whatsoever. And the results speak for themselves. This is why Brady Singer is so bad this season. Because this is all he wants to do. He wants to throw his sinker all down and in the zone. And it doesn't matter if it's a good pitch or not. It is a good pitch. It's a great pitch. But he, he throws it over and over again in the exact same place. And hitters are expecting it. They're seeing it way too well. So yeah, 13 hits, 5 runs, or no, 6 runs in 5 innings. Against a lineup that he went like 6 or 7 scoreless just the week before. Like I was literally saying on Friday, oh man, Brady Singer probably loves seeing this lineup. Yeah, well now this lineup loves seeing Brady Singer because he's just going to do the same thing. Most predictable pitcher ever. But at least, fortunately... On Sunday, some good things happened with the Royals, and they got a win. They won 4-1. to one. Uh, Kyle Isbell had another two-hit game, so that makes him back-to-back going into this break with multi-hit games. Michael Massey had a three-hit game. Love to see that. My favorite Royal, Michael Massey, is officially back. Hell yeah. Um, oh, and also, Nicky Lopez is a left fielder now. Okay, we're we're just gonna like I I don't I don't mind necessarily. I'm just saying, are, are we are we are we erasing Tucker Bradley this hard that we have to put Nicky Lopez in left field? I don't I don't know. I'm just saying. I mean, I hey, I'm I'm open to trying new things too. You know, but he he did have a, a little outfield assist. Got the runner out at third. Who was trying to advance. So. Got 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 to test that little uh, cannon arm that he's got over there. <laughs> that that's cool. Actually, Nicky Lopez in left field, like it it, it does kind of make sense. I can kind of understand it. Royals getting maybe a little bit cute, a little bit creative, wanting to show him off for teams because you know we need to trade Nicky Lopez. Uh, so be like, hey, he's got a little bit of utility right there. He plays all over the. You you thought he was just an infielder? Oh no, sir. No, ma'am. He plays in the outfield now as well. Pretty cool. So, good for him. And then Ryan goddamn Yarbrough, back from almost freaking dying in a baseball game, pitches six innings and gives up one run. Dude, I 
<laughs> I'm so freaking hype about about that. You got credited with the win, uh, and I guess maybe I also wrote down he outdueled Bieber. He he outdueled Shane Bieber because some people were excited about that. Like, man, he he went up against the former Cy Young and won. Shane Bieber is not that good anymore. I said this, but I'm happy for him. I think that like that's just such a great story to uh end this nightmarish first half <laughs> with. Uh, you know, like Ryan Yarbrough really could just be a terrible pitcher moving forward. Like, I don't know if I believe in him being like great. Like I said, Guardians lineup, not very good. So, <laughs> but hey, he, he has this, he has this going for him. Like, I, I, I don't care if Ryan Yarbrough is going to be bad for the rest of the season. I don't care if this is going to be, you know, the, his, the best game he ever pitches for the rest of his, his career. He 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 earned this, dude. Like he just so freaking he, he. This is just such. It's just such a freaking life W right there. Just overcoming all of that he had to, and then pulling off that. Just coming back in such a great way. It's like hell yeah, man. Just love that for him. All right, so that's all the stuff that happened in the past. I guess we got to look into the future, into the future Royals that have been enrolled. Is that a way of putting it? We're going to talk about the MLB draft. But wait, first, there's something I've got to add to the podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. And we're back. Thank you very much for your patience. So we're going to talk about the MLB draft, at least the first day of the MLB draft. A bulk of the draft has not actually happened there. It's, it's 20 rounds. 
only the first two were taken yesterday while, you know, most publicity, uh, while the draft got the most publicity because it's all the high-ranking picks, the first round, the second round, and the bonus rounds. So there's a bonus round in between the first and second and another in between the second and third. The Royals got a pick in between that second and third round, so they picked 8th, 44th, and 66th overall. So their first round pick in 2023, 8th overall, they picked Blake Mitchell, a catcher from Sinton High School in Texas. And then with their second round pick, 44th overall, they picked Blake Walters, a high school pitcher from Illinois. And then with that extra pick at 66th overall, the Royals picked Carson Roccaforte from the University of Louisiana, a center fielder. So those are the first three picks. Those are the top three picks that the Royals got from this draft. And so this is just my first impression of this draft. It doesn't completely encompass how I might feel about the entire draft, since the Royals still have 18 picks to make. Uh, over the next two days, and we'll kind of revisit this on Friday. And something else that needs to be mentioned is that we won't truly know how good or bad a draft was for a team until several years down the line. Because picking players is one thing, actually developing them in your minor league system, getting them to actually play baseball. That's another thing entirely, and it's a very long process. It takes most guys several years, so it's going to be a while before we probably see any of these guys even make the major leagues, and whether or not they'll be even good in the major leagues, whether we can definitively say yes or no to that, it's going to take even longer. So, I mean, like the the 2018 draft class where we got Brady Singer, Jackson Kowar, Chris Bubich, Daniel Lynch, all those guys. I mean, that's only something we can really like like we can say that draft class was not good, but when did we when were we able to actually say that? 2022 took 4 years for that. And that was that was considered to be like a fast rising class because they got all of these college pitchers because a bunch of those guys made the majors in 2 3 years. And even then, it's still not completely over for that draft class because, I don't know, maybe Brady Singer can turn it around. He at least showed something. Daniel Lynch can be a quality major league starter long term. Chris Bubich, when he comes back from injury, maybe he can actually be a legitimately good pitcher. We still haven't seen Jonathan Bolin. Um, Austin Cox has had very, very limited time in the majors and has been pretty good for most for the most part. So five years later, we certainly have some strong opinions of the 2018 draft, and I do as well, and I'm not trying to erase them or anything like that. I'm just saying it can still change. We can, it's still possible that this dra- that draft class can turn around and show something for itself. It can still turn out to have one or two good players from it. And if so, that's a pretty good draft. I mean, let's... Be realistic here. How many good players do you actually get from any given draft? How many, even the really, really good teams, you know? I just 
wanted to make that clear because I really did not like what the Royals did on night one of the draft. Like, I actually, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I'm honest all the time because it's my show and I have nothing to gain from lying to any of you. I if I if I could give this a grade, I would give the Royals an F. The Royals failed. Like this was awful. I I actually like this is why I was saying like I was getting stressed yesterday. I'm just like this they're going to they're going to they're going to redeem themselves some, somehow, right? They they're, they're going to make they're going to pick a guy that I'm just going to hear great things about from everyone and it we're all just going to be like, "Okay, phenomenal pick." By the Royals. Like, like there's going to be that unanimous, just great pick at some point, right? And I'm hoping it can still happen, but... I mean... I mean, even... I'm sure something... I'm ugh, getting all jumbled up. Maybe something can help this down the line. But just going by these first three picks, what really upsets me about this is that putting them all together what is this like like what is the royals plan what are they what are they doing in this draft like what is their strategy what is their goal what is their mo for this like the one thing i hear a lot of is that this is a this is a dayton moore-esque draft which is just slang for draft I don't like which is every year <laughs> from Royals fans but I I actually disagree I really do because actually going back for the past several drafts that the Royals have had there has been some kind of theme like you can at least understand what they were going for and we can I'm not saying that these were good drafts necessarily I'm just saying they were understandable both at the time and even in the long term, even if they didn't work out. I'm going I'm going back to 2017. I'm kind of making the cutoff there because I feel like that's when they started doing things a little bit differently and the Royals stopped making completely garbage picks. I mean, before then, it's like... Like, I, I will defend Bubba Starling. I will defend Kyle Zimmer in 2012. I will defend Hunter Dozier in 2013. 2014-16 to 16 is just a dead zone. It's like, what were they doing over there? <laughs> like, Foster Griffin, Nolan Watson, Ash Russell, I think Chase Vallett as well. It's like, dude, they were they, they made some stinky high draft picks in those three years. 2017, I think things got a little bit better. 2017, they got Nick Prado in the first round and MJ Melendez in the second round. I don't know who the bonus pick uh, guy was. Probably didn't work out. But still, you got two guys who were high upside prep players and also weirdly athletic for their positions, I think would be fair to say. MJ Melendez was like a really good runner. He was a very lean catcher. And Nick Prado was like the second coming of of uh, Eric Hosmer, supposedly. I even remember when he was drafted, everyone was like, oh no, we're gonna, we're not gonna re-sign Eric Hosmer because they drafted a first baseman. I always love the, like, the, the I don't know how drafting works comments. Uh, I, when those pop up uh, every year, they, it's always funny. 
I kind of say that condescendingly, but I, I mean it endearingly. Anyway, I feel like it's fair to say that, that that's what the, the Royals were going for with those two guys. 2018, we all know how this draft went. It was the college, it was the oops all college pitchers draft. You can understand, like, we can say that they did a bad job with it. They picked the wrong guys with the wrong strategy or whatever. At least there was a theme. We understood what they were going for. 2019 and 2020, I think that these two years were just simply the Royals going for the best available players. They were drafting super high up on the board, and the two guys that they could draft with their first-round picks were, like, potentially generational players. Bobby Wood Jr. and Asa Lacy. I know we don't like Asa Lacy now, but it made sense at the time. He was the best player available at the time. 2021, they got pretty creative with the slot values and kind of mixed them around in kind of unusual ways to get these kind of quirky prep players. Frank Mazzucato, who had this just unreal spin ability. Ben Coderna, uh, Carter Jensen, Peyton Wilson. 2022, they seem to go for high floor, but maybe low ceiling college bats. Gavin Cross, Caden Wallace. Like, I, like, again, we can split hairs over how these drafts actually worked. We can, you know, disagree on the philosophy of them, but at least there, it seemed like there was a philosophy. This year, with the first three picks the Royals have taken, they got two prep players and then one college player. And no one seems to know what any of the slot values are. So Blake Mitchell, he was ranked around, like, he was ranked in the teens by, I think, most evaluators, and the Royals got him at eighth. So people are saying, oh, well, the Royals probably did a little bit of an underslot right there. Well, the college outfielder they got, uh, Rocca Forte, what a cool-ass name, by the way. Rocca Forte was, like, like every prospect evaluator had him in the hundreds. He had a three figure number by uh, in his ranking and he was taken 66th. So that's the underslot. And also some are saying that that Mitchell is actually not going to be an underslot like at all. Like the 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 one guy who might be who, who might not take a like like Mitchell might be full slot and then Blake Walter Blake Walters, the sec- the the second round guy, the pitcher, he might be a little bit overslot. It's just like it's it's just kind of all over the place right there. And then you know it's it's two prep guys and then one college guy, so you're not necessarily targeting you know a, a specific age group. You're not sp- targeting like a specific timeline. You're not filling positions of need. Although frankly, the Royals have every position of need. <laughs> what what position do they not need to draft in? Not that that really matters, frankly. You shouldn't really draft for a position of need. But also, drafting a prep pitcher and a prep catcher, like both of these individually are just really, really volatile players. They, the Royals literally took the two most volatile classes in the draft. Prep pitcher, prep catcher. They took them both. But then they went with the safe pick with a center fielder who seems pretty likely to stick center field and just be an, an all right hitter. Like they went with a, a a high floor guy. And evidently, as I was saying with some of these rankings, the Royals didn't just simply say, we're going to go after the best possible player, the best available player right here. 
obviously they're going to say that they went for the best available player. Like when they drafted whoever, they're like, oh yeah, this was the best player available on the board. Yeah, obviously. They're not going to be like, oh yeah, this guy, eh, he was like our third choice for this pick, but we just said screw it. But, you know. it, it just, there's literally no, nothing that these three all have in common. There's just no theme here whatsoever. And that bothers me. It's like, what is the plan here? What is the freaking vision? I don't get it. And that's why I'm more upset than anything. It's not even specifically the players themselves. And, you know, I said this on Friday. Whoever the Royals draft, I'm going to root for them. I, I've got their, I, let it be known, I've got their backs. I hope that they do well. I'm giving the the Royals an F for night one. It's nothing compared to what lies ahead. Like, if if these all end up being great players in the major leagues, then okay, I'm going to be happy about that. I'm not saying, I'm not giving them an F because it's like, oh man, I hope these guys suck. I hope the, I hope the Royals really understand that they made a huge mistake right here. Like, no, I, I want to believe that the Royals just know a whole lot more than I do, which they do, because I'm just some random guy on the internet with a microphone. This is just simply my armchair analysis. Easy for me to say all this stuff. I'm not the one who, I'm not someone who has been scouting these players for weeks, if not months, have been in direct contact with these players for weeks, if not months, and yada, yada, yada. All this stuff that goes on with the draft, I know so little of it. I just think that all three of these picks individually were very strange, and then you put them together and it's like, I don't even get it. Like, I I, I don't know, dude. It's like, they, they got, the, those first two guys, they got the, the prep players, they they pulled a, like a, like a, like a seven of hearts, and then an eight of diamonds, and then with that college center fielder is just like a two of spades. It's just like, all right, well, I... I don't even know how to how to work with this now. So I hope that the day two and the day three picks will maybe give some more clarity as to what the Royals really wanted to do in this draft. Maybe there is some kind of thing that they're working on. Maybe there is some kind of theme, some kind of plan. I don't know. We won't know. Um, and and even if we even if this whole draft turns out to be a mishmash, what matters the most is that. We get some good players out of this. That's what matters way more than anything. And also for what it's worth, it's not like I dislike the the picks individually. I do kind of, you know, scratch my head at them. I do call them into question, but it's not like I think the Royals, you know, it, I don't think the Royals got just outright bums or anything. Each of these players have something pretty interesting, something pretty redeemable about them. Um, Blake Mitchell there's there seem to be disagreements about whether or not he can actually stick at catcher so that's not entirely clear right now but for what it's worth he does seem to have a good arm um it's like it's like his arm strength behind the plate seems to be something that really carries him but if it doesn't if the catching doesn't work out too well he'll move the right field or something like that so that could be fine seems to understand the strike zone pretty well, which I actually do like more than anything. I think, you know, for, for to draft a hitter who has, who already has good knowledge of the strike zone, who has a good eye and actually walks a lot. Yeah, I actually do. I, that's something I would bet on. So actually I might like the Blake Mitchell pick 
just in general. If it's full slot or even like over slot, then maybe it's a little bit more head scratching. But like I said, just kind of depends on how everything else goes with this draft. Blake Wolters. Wolters? I'm going to stumble upon that all the time for some reason. I feel like it's supposed to be something else and I like my brain just does not internalize it properly. Anyway, has a absolutely huge fastball, already throws like 98. This is a high school pitcher. He throws 98. So, remember when everyone was talking about like Noble Meyer and him maybe going number 8? Royals have Noble Meyer at home and they picked him 44th. That's actually a lot more acceptable. So the main thing with him is that he's just going to need to develop a third pitch. Where have we heard that before with Royals pitchers and things like that? But who knows? Maybe the Royals actually did get something here with this guy. And then um, Carson Roccaforte, the the uh, the extra pick they got in the second round, seems to be a legit center fielder. And it's actually also speculated that a main reason why he might be drafted this low or why he was ranked as low as he was, like like I said, many evaluators had him ranked like 120th or something, is because he just simply hasn't had a particularly great year at the plate. But the year before, last last season, was he was like super good. He was hitting really, really well. So it just seems kind of like maybe some adjustments need to be made and maybe the Royals kind of like got a good buy low draft pick. So I'm going to be hopeful. I wish these guys all the best. I hope they get to Kansas City soon and really help out this team because, by God, do we need some freaking help. I think that's about all I've got. So whatever happens, we'll talk about it when we get there. we got to do something on Friday. I think on Friday what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of look back at the first half in general and maybe re-evaluate expectations, say what needs to happen in the second half, things that I hope to see moving forward. Things like that. We'll have something. In, well, I, I'll do something on Friday. Actually, here's something we can try doing on Friday. How about we try doing a little Q&A? How about that? Ask me a question. Send it to royaldeluxepodcast at gmail.com. Ask me whatever question you want. I mean, probably be better if it was Royals related. And I'll answer it on the show. I'll give you a little shout out. You'll be getting paid in exposure. But no, I'd really like to hear from you. I'd really like to hear from everybody listening to this show. Um, also, you can send it to Twitter or whatever, where, wherever, whenever, however, that, 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 that. lots of different ways we can go about this. Or even just tell me about how you feel about the draft. Because I, I am hearing a lot of opinions about this draft. I hear lots of people who are like me, who are just like, oh, God. Oh, man, I don't know about this one, Chief. But I also see some people who are a lot smarter than me, people I respect a lot, saying, hey, this is a this is this is a solid. These are solid picks so far. Liking what I'm seeing. Always good to keep in mind some other perspectives, which is why I want to get your perspective. So send me yours. Send me anything else you want. Ask me some stuff and I'll get back to you on Friday. Sound good? Cool. So stick around, subscribe to whatever platform you're listening to this on, leave a review, it would help me out oh so much. But if you don't, no hard feelings. I love you all the same. Thanks for listening, by the way. Thank you very much for making the Royal Deluxe Podcast a part of your day. I hope you have a good one. I hope you have a good week. Let's uh let's 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 enjoy ourselves um from a from a stress-free four days where we don't have to worry about the Royals losing. I hope to see you all again on Friday. 
And until then, I've been Lux, and go Royals! Oh wait, the theme is that they're all named Blake.